episode of First Strike. But before we start the show, we're going to plug our awesome sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. I forgot to mute myself, so now I'm hearing myself on the other feed, and it's really distracting me <laughs> as I'm... First Strike Inception. Yeah, as I'm plugging face face games in my ear. Uh, we got a packed show tonight. We've got everyone that's on the banner for once of First Strike. No extra people and no missing people. So happy to get Andy, Derek, and Rob in the house. People have missed you a lot, Rob, especially. Some people were, were looking for someone with serious takes, and uh, they were waiting for you to come back. No, no more trolls. And I'm really excited. We got the top Canadian from Pro Tour Dominaria in the house. Someone who actually took down Team Trios in GP Toronto not too long ago, uh, beasted it with a Canadian team, and then rose, uh, rose up in the standings, uh, was the one person I was rooting for because I didn't really know anyone else, um, and ultimately uh, finished in ninth. We got Morgan McLaughlin in the house. How's it going, Morgan? Hey, pretty good. Not bad. All right. Uh, you, you know, we talked pre-show. You said you, you may have been come across a bit nervous, but I didn't think so. I thought your interview with BDM was awesome. It was great to, to learn a bit more about you. And I told you, I t- totally relate to you. This podcast, anything magic-related, any article that's ever been written about me, zero chance my fiance knows anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she uh, she was excited, but you know, she was too busy gardening to to, to be watching. You know, <laughs> important things in life. I mean, I, I wish, I do wish. Some part of me wishes that she, she, my significant other, was watching me at my best. But uh, Rob, what about your wife? Uh, when I was in the in the top eight of GP Toronto, uh, whatever, two years ago, um, there were some other friends that were watching, and she messaged them to figure out how to, to view everything on Twitch. And then she's she's just on the phone with a friend of mine, Blavin, and he's like explaining like play by play kind of like what's going on in in terms that she could kind of understand so as like my life total is dropping to like five and three she's getting very nervous and he's trying to like be like no 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 no, everything's fine he's actually like very large favorite to win from this point or whatever so uh that was her one and only experience <laughs> i think every other event i did well at there has not been video coverage that's actually a key thing like the, the two GPs that I've top aided, neither of them had any video coverage. So, so I think it was kind of, you know, it was like a jinx. Like they put me on camera and then there was just nothing I could do. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if you knew about this, but like you were rising up the ranks. You were clearly the top Canadian. And um, a lot of us at different PTs uh, would, you know, tweet at, at Magic Pro Tour um, to, to, to get whoever uh, the known Canadian is, the only person that, that we sort of know, hometown guy. I don't know if you knew this, but like, uh, our friend Paul Dean was the one who was like, well, why can't we get Morgan on the show? But then he later on deleted the tweet because he was like, oh, no, maybe I don't want him. Maybe he's doing, at, like, performing at his best without the cameras on him. Did you know about this? Oh, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, he was there. He, he, he told me that he did, he did that. <laughs> I saw it pop up on my phone. I'm like, oh, crap. And they, like, featured me the next round. I mean, sitting at, like, table one for, like, three rounds in a row, and they were just, like, weren't featuring. I'm like, ah, oh, not a big deal. <laughs> Did you actually I got, feel the you know, pressure? I get matched against Owen, so then, <laughs> of course, I get featured at that point. Playing against Owen at table one in, like, round 13 of the Pro Tour, like, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, well, did you actually feel the pressure? Do you think it actually made you play slightly worse? Oh, or definitely. Were you definitely. Like, it, 
Like I've been on camera a couple times, so I like won a Star City Open back in I think twenty thirteen, something like that. And like that was on camera for a couple of rounds, and so like I've been on camera a couple other times as well. But just at the pro tour, like the the way they have the lights set up, and you're like in your own little area with the lights like bearing down, like it's like hot. Um, you're you're wearing you're at a table, and you have to like wait until they tell you to go, and you're sitting there, and you're just like twiddling your thumbs, you know, staring across the table from Owen. It's like yeah, that's not intimidating at all. <laughs> Um, and actually, let's let's we're gonna get to the match because I feel like maybe I know Rob wants to lay on you. I don't know if Derek does, but uh, <laughs> let's go before that. Let's um, shortly after your GP Toronto win um, with your team. Uh, what was preparation uh, for the Pro Tour like? Who were who you working with, or uh, was it was it mainly some a lot of solo work? And, and yeah, let's start with that. Yeah, so so I actually was at for. For a friend's wedding, I went to Jamaica like the week before, so it was kind of like I was off for two weeks. Um, and the the internet in Jamaica is not great, so I couldn't really moto. Like I it was able to like log in, but I couldn't actually play matches. So what I ended up doing is I actually like proxy out a couple decks, and I was just like playing them against myself. Like you know, you'd go to the beach or whatever for a couple hours, come back, <laughs> have a drink, like play some solo games against myself. I probably played like forty games solo. Um, I, I mean, normally I'd just be playing on moto, but uh, I, I just kept you know, testing decks against myself, which it's kind of weird, but I think it made me understand a lot of the matchups that I, that I wasn't used to yet. So <laughs> as, as random as that sounds, that, that was it. Oh, you're, oh man, there's a, there's a lot of things that, that makes me think of, um, a lot, a lot of Flo- Flores. I think, met, I think this was public info. He mentioned a lot of stories about Chapin, uh, playing, testing and playing against himself. And uh, also reminds me of a, a local friend of mine that, that used to do that and use like, even like use Apprentice to play against himself and track results in some Excel sheet. Yeah, so that, yeah I did that, I did that on the plane, actually. I did that on the plane. <laughs> I was testing some blue-black mid-range. Um, it, and that's how I decided. I, you know, I played like 10 games of blue-black mid-range against red-black. And I was thinking about playing that deck, but it just kept losing. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I could talk about the decks in depth. I don't know how much detail you want to go in actual decks or whatever but no we would love to uh especially um your final deck choice where, where you like name dropped uh fournier as an influence for, for your ultimate uh, choice for the pt yeah i mean like i was definitely talking to some people but it was more of just like casual conversations you know what have you been playing you know what have you been trying so like the blue black deck um omar omar belden was trying to convince me to play it um he was having some success online but you know, we, we talked back and forth, and basically he says, oh, this deck's great. I boarded the plane, and by the time I landed, he's like, I can't beat Red Black. And I just had played, like, 10 matches against myself on Red Black. I'm like, yeah, that was my experience, too. So that was kind of interesting. Um, I mean, I was I got a Red Black list from Andrew Naylor. Um, he'd been trying out, like, Vraska's Contempts in his deck, and he was going, like, even bigger than, than Owen had gone. Um, but the mana was just atrocious in that deck. I have a screenshot that I sent back to him where I had like basic swamp, basic mountain, Aether hub with three channelers and two Vraska's contempts in my hand. <laughs> so that was pretty brutal. Um, yeah, and then and then I was talked to Lucas a little bit as well, and, and Lucas was basically just saying he's like, just stick to black white, like play what you know. Um, he, he told me he was sending me a gift by telling me just he's like play seventy or seventy five and just go from there. <laughs> Which is kind of what I said on the in the interview as well. I mean, that's that's really it's just like all right, fine, I'll just do that. Like I, I knew all the matchups, I knew how to sideboard in every one of them. Um, whereas when I was playing like red black, I, I played a few matches online. Like I just didn't really know what I was doing. I, I knew the basics, but it, it wasn't the same as like I go into a matchup and I just know exactly how to sideboard because you know I 
played like 20 rounds of the GP or whatever the heck number of rounds it is. So did you end up facing a lot of black red uh, during uh, the tournament? Um, so I played it once on day one. So in the five rounds of standard, I played it once and I won there. Um, and then in day two, I ended up playing it um, in the second round of standard, the third and fourth, which are the three win-ins I had and the three losses I had. <laughs> so it uh, it could have been better, but I mean, at the GP, I, I think I was undefeated against it. I, I took, a, like, I, I think there were twice where I didn't finish because my teammates had won. Well, in one case, they lost. In the other case, they won. Um, but I think I beat it like six times or something like that. So it, and I was beating it online a, a fair amount. I, I do think I'm slightly favored, though. Um, I mean, the, the three people I lost to were obviously like great players, and they all made top eight. And so I, I, I don't know. It's possible they were doing something different. I don't know exactly what. I, I haven't really gone back to look at what their their plans were. Um, but at the same time, like Black White did completely terrible. So maybe I just. <laughs> Maybe I'm just very lucky. I, that's also possible. So at this point, you, you actually think the matchup might be slightly ahead for, for your deck? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I think that there's some things to, to consider in that um, the red-black, like, or the mono-red aggro deck <clears throat> was actually kind of, I had trouble against. And then I made a lot of changes to the deck um, to try to improve that matchup without hurting the red-black matchup. Um, which, so the main thing was that I, I cut all the toolcraft exemplars. Um, then I was also trimmed on scrap heaps and hearts, which aren't really at their best in really any of the red matchups. Like hearts are kind of okay, but whenever you like burn a loyalty and it gets hit within a braid, it's kind of kind of bad. Um, <clears throat> but after I'd added in like gone up to four fatal pushes, I was playing two main deck cast downs. Um, I added an additional knight to cut, help with blocking. Like I was beating the mono red deck pretty consistently, and red black. I, I th again, I think red black's like fifty percent, maybe slightly favored at most but i mean it's 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 like a mid-range deck battle right like you're never going to be super fantastic um but if i wanted to improve it further i'd probably add a couple seal aways and go up to the four eclons bindings and i think if i did that i would definitely think i'm favored well so you, you cut a bunch of the a lot of creatures for a lot of cheap removal yeah exactly like basically i don't really consider it an aggro deck anymore like the first exception of the deck when you had the toolcraft exemplars like it's like a very aggressive deck like i realistically like gold fishing like you're probably the fastest deck in the format when you hit your toolcraft exemplar into heart into like history like th that that draw is just like very hard to to beat um but at the same time it's like if they do remove like if they do kill your toolcraft suddenly you're like you play your heart and then you play like a history and you're just like now you can't even crew it the history's kind of good but it's not really you know it's your, your cards just aren't working together. Like, it's not the same curve as the red deck, which is like, Bowmite Courier into Heart into Chain Whirler. Like, that that starts um, just just so much better. Um, hmm. Derek, any any thoughts on the list Morgan ended up playing? Did you like it? Uh, I specifically hated Toolcraft in that deck. Wow. Whenever, okay. whenever I, I, I actually queued up his, uh, his list on Moto for... Uh, a couple leagues, and every time I drilled to a craft, I hated it, and I proceeded to lose. And I just couldn't figure out why. And I asked Morgan, I think it was after day one, to ship his list when I was trying to figure out um, a deck to play for the PTQ on Saturday. And I almost played it, but I realized that I was really inexperienced with the deck and would probably just miss sequence or do something incorrect and didn't end up playing it. But the fact that it had no tool crafts really made me happy. I just hate that card with a passion specifically in this format um but 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It looks good. Like more removal, less bad cards is exactly where I want to be in the format. <laughs> Rob, you, you've been brewing in, in the lab. You've been tweeting uh, some stuff. Where are you at? So I, I, my general stance on white black is that it's not great. I'm curious, Morgan, why you decided to play Invoke over what is it called? Worlds, Worlds Away or something? You mean the cycling one? Yeah, the cycling. Invoked in Divine. Yeah, yeah so Invoke, but there's the the one that's not dead. Oh, forsake the Worldly. Yeah, Forsake the Worldly. That's what it's called. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so the, the general idea is that Invoke, like the life you're gaining from Invoke, is like really important in the red matchups, because um, a lot of the time you'll end up kind of going really late. So, so one thing about this deck is that I almost call it like black-white control more than like a, a mid-range deck. Like You're really trying to go super, super late against everything. Um, at least that's the way I've been playing it. And, and that's why I added that Invoke main and the two Vraska's Contempts and the two Vraska's Contempts on the board is that against like those mid-range red decks, like part of the reason that they beat you is that they get in so much chip damage that you end up like low enough that you keep having to leave up mana because like you know a top deck Glorbringer beats you or you know a Chandra plus twos and then you're you know you're, then you're at three life and I have to worry about the tool cra- or um, Scrappy from the grave plus disintegration. Like that, that's the thing with the deck; they have like very hard to beat threats and then they have life, um, like chip chip damage. And so that's why that's why I really like that invoke. In, in fact, I, I'm I kind of was disappointed I didn't have a second in my sideboard. I'd probably be adding one. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't, you know, brewed up a list or anything since. I had uh, other life <laughs> things to worry about. But um, yeah, I think that's probably where I'd start. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like, do you think that, like, if you were to to build, like, to run this back, would you have played the invoke again, or would you have like put that a? Book was fantastic. I, I don't think it was ever dead when I drew it. Okay, I mean, I guess when the entire PTs was littered with red-black decks, that's fair. Well, I mean, seems... I, I played uh, against blue-black um, like four times as well. Um, but they had like, like I hit a search, uh, a search for scanner once, I hit a Sorcerer's Spyglass with it another time. Um, I don't think I drew it in the other ones, but, but you know, you're still, you're still hitting cards. Like, if you just go through like all the lists in the tournament, you, you'll be very hard-pressed to find something you can't hit. And even in some cases, like, just hitting, um, a walking ballista that's like just you know being annoying like sometimes you have to fire fatal pushes or something at them and this just gives you a card that you can just like throw away yeah that's fair i guess it's hard for it to be super dead albeit inefficient at times okay cool yeah fair enough that was the only thing i, I that i thought was like really you're either a master or you're insane i guess when i saw that <laughs> it's given how the tournament panned out it seems like it was a reasonable choice he tested against himself, Rob. That's a lot of hard work and patience. That's the Paul Dean way of testing. I've seen Paul Dean play himself an apprentice for like hours straight. Yeah, I def- definitely had talked to him about how, how him doing that, and I decided I'd try it myself. So uh, I think it worked. I honestly, I think I really got a feel for for matchups. Like, like he'd said that, and I'm like, that's like really strange or really weird. But when you're playing both sides, you really start to see the decisions that both sides are making, and. You know, I, I think it's a it's a great way to teach yourself really what's going on in a matchup. Yeah, I think in theory it makes sense. You just have to, you definitely have to be like able to detach yourself from the bias play and be honest about kind of like what is going on, I guess, and not. I think it'd be difficult for a lot of people to remove the bias, but I, I think if you can do that, yeah, I definitely agree that there's some interesting stuff to be gained there. 
Unless you're unless you're Derek, and then you just get to be on Moto for thirteen hours a day. That also works. Well, you just you just you just always imagine whatever possible outcome happens, and then you just run the numbers. Obviously, you don't even need to play against yourself. That's memorize the seventy-five. Supercomputer method. Yeah, exactly. Hypogeometric calculator. Yep, that's how that works. Yeah, you're the computer engineer. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Derek, ne- never mulligan with one lad. Uh, we did the math. <laughs> yeah, we ran the numbers, figured it out. <laughs> uh, and yeah, any any thoughts on on uh, Morgan's uh, white black Benelli list from on your side? Well, I think I had a so I played this at the the GP as well, GP Toronto, and I felt similarly about Toolcraft Exemplar as Rob did. As I really hated it, and I really hated um, Scrap Heap Scrounger ended up being such an awkward card to me in so many matchups because. I was molding into this control deck, and then I just had this card that can't block and like will sometimes deal damage like against some green decks. So I like the idea of cutting down on it, and I like I like uh, the idea of playing more removal because then you can have some cheap interaction to to help leverage your cards. Like the card history of Benali, in my experience, has just been like very good against red decks. So uh, like I like the list. Uh, I. I'm always uh, curious about Ixalan's binding. Lots of people like it more than I do, but I think it's just I love cast uh, cast down, cast out the, the, the instant one so much because of cards like Glorybringer. I'm terrified of it. But I guess with cast down and contempt, you don't really need it as much. And binding sometimes is just backbreaking. So I like the list. You just eat the first four, Andy, and then you never eat four again. <laughs> that's, true. that's true he likes it because it has cycling no other reason yeah it's demonic tutor one mana demonic tutor <sighs> Rob what were you brewing in the lab uh, so I'm testing for the RPTQ so my it, we're like in this weird inbred you know unified standard garbage metagame I guess so uh, my other the, the, my teammates are going to be playing the aggro deck and the mid-range deck for our, our team, and I'm trying to figure out the control deck. So my most of my time has been focused on tuning blue-white to have a favorable matchup against the red, whatever the red X deck is and whatever the green X deck is. I'm at a spot where I'm like not completely dissatisfied, I guess, with the results. So the only question is to see, like, I guess, how that... If things are going to move, I think right now I would expect most people to bring red, black, mono green, and then like some white X control deck uh, to the RPTQ, which I think if if that's true, hopefully we'll be set up to be in a good spot. But I don't know. This standard's weird. There's just too many broken red cards as has been the case with almost all standards lately. So yeah, I would prefer to just cast Whirly Boy. He's uh he's pretty strong. He's better than Frosodon, I think. I'm not sure that I don't even know if that's in question anymore. So I feel like people are gonna be calling for his banning and hopefully they will not get it, because it's enough. It's enough with the ban hammer. <laughs> uh Derek, I was excited. Our our, our boy uh, Alex Bianchi was on stream. Uh Completely missed Lethal, but play, played a deck that uh, we've been talking about for, I don't know, 20 episodes straight. Snake, Hadana's Climb, uh, 
How did you feel? Like, you, you didn't think it was a good choice for this tournament, but uh, there, there were players that picked it up. Yeah, like, I don't know. The deck's unplayable. Like, you, you can't play Winding Constrictor in this meta at all. You just can't do it. I don't think you can do it. And then you put a three-minute enchantment that requires you to have Winding Constrictor play for you to do well. And then if you ever play against Control, you also just can't win because they have settled the wreckage, which blanks your Adonis climb, and they have Fumigate. And then they can disallow uh, the activated ability, or they can just, like, not interact with you at all because they're the control that can resolve Teferi. I don't know, it just seems ridiculous. Like, people people aren't playing blue-black midrange anymore where they just jam Scarab down on five, and your best play is to go bristling Hydra into Hod- Hodonis climb them. People are now have, like, two to four settle the wreckage in their, in their 75. The, like this, this deck didn't show up in the top sixty-four at all. Or in the X one or X two decks, because like it, it's just bad. I, I like if you're trying to game the meta game this much, just put effort in playing the best deck and tuning it. The reason why the pros aren't playing Hadana's climb, uh, I mean they, they played that awful blue green Karn deck, but like whatever. That's I think that's an anomaly. Uh, but the reason, like, Owen top eight with Black Red is because they figured out that that's the best Black Red build for this tournament, and I, I just don't think you can do that, especially in this format specifically. It just seems asinine to me. You're just throwing away percentage points for no absolute reason. Uh, not to, like, rain on Alex's parade, but, like, I don't know. I learned my mistake when I went to my first PT trying to play a deck where I thought I could game the metagame and just not play the best deck. And you, you just can't do that. I don't, I don't think, like, everybody knew that Chain is good, and there's six copies in top eight. Um, don't, don't ignore the data. It's there for a reason. Uh, so, so what's, your, what's your pick for best deck for people to, to win some trophies online? Are you mono red? Are you black red? Uh, just play Chain Whirler. It, if, if, you, if you can understand the matchups with those decks, it doesn't matter which one you play, really. Um, the only reason I'm not playing Black, Red, or Red on Moto right now is because I need to find out the other two decks for my RPTQ, and I need to figure out how the meta functions if you're not playing Black, Red. We've decided that we will be playing a Red deck because uh, we think that it's, at, at a base level, the most powerful deck. And then you can tune it from point A to Z in whatever meta you think you can fit it in. Um, so moving forward, like obviously your opponents can't play X ones. We we've established that control is probably a pretty good matchup. Um, I think blue box actually good against black red, but it's like pretty weak to snake and other decks too. So I'm just trying to find a metagame shift uh, where I can pinpoint the other two decks. But yeah, I don't know. Play black red. Pretty good. <laughs> Um, Morgan, so Morgan gets the luxury of just running back his team for the PT, right? Well, you guys have to grind through. Yeah. Yeah. Power yeah. for rubbing it in. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was asking I mean, like, to Pittsburgh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I forgot. I just forgot that there's something else going on that weekend, you know? Yeah, like, if, if, if I won my PTQ finals, I could go to Pittsburgh. I could have a good team for the uh, PT. But, you know, like, we, we can't all win or top four Grand Prix. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's like. Well, some of us here can't. 
Well, I mean, I mean, the real, the real tragedy, the real tragedy of the weekend is, is you know, I played in three pro tours and you know, grinded for years trying to get on them, and then I double qualify for the next pro tour. It's just, you know, it's just so depressing. Oh, it feels so really bad. tough. Yeah, maybe I lost my last two PT fights. So double Q for a PT. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe in a couple of years I'll get to complain about the double Q. I hope you do. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be real nice. That'll just be the just desserts, you know? I already tweeted at Wizards to try to give me the pity invite, but they didn't respond. <laughs> no kidding, eh? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know why. Explode here uh, and, and inflate. Uh, we could talk about his match versus Owen some more. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to do that while we just inflate him a bit. We're going to have Rob bring him down. Is there something you want to comment that he didn't comment himself in the interview with BDM, he, he was—he uh, knew he misplayed. He knew he had a few misplays. Yeah, so I actually scared my daughter, my two-month-old daughter, when Morgan made this play because I screamed oh, no. at my at my monitor. So uh, she was uh, she was definitely alert uh, after I raised my voice. Um, but uh, the the play was like in the very last uh, cycle of turns in game three, and Morgan and I kind of chatted about this after uh, after the PT was done. So I think Owen had uh, Exerted Glorybringer, a Pia with a token, and a Scrap Heap Scrounger that he could bring back. And you were at four, and he was at some arbitrary high life total, right? You had like eight land Angel Sanctions in hand, and I think you drew Vasa's Contempt. Is I was at two. You had, sorry? I was at two life. I had, a, I had Angel in play, eight lands, and I just drew Vasa's Contempt. Okay, right, yeah. So And, um, and Owen had... Owen had a Hazard in hand, but he had he a Hazard. Yeah, he had an Ixalan's Binded Hazard, which is the play that I missed because I thought it didn't matter what Morgan did because Owen had a Hazard in his hand. But I did yeah, notice that there was a Hazard underneath an Ixalan's Binding, which is an important important data point for the. That's fair. Yeah, he does have a Hazard in hand, and it is already bound uh, with one in play. So you could have played the Angel, uh, exiling Pia. He brings back Scrappy Scranger. If he draws a blank. He can either put you to one, which he probably does, and then brings back uh, the Scrounger again. And then you get to untap uh, Contempt the Glorybringer and then hope you draw something that is four mana or less that's useful. And then if he draws one more brick, you might be in a position to start turning the game in your favor. Um, although, uh, you know, it's, you're still at, I, it's not like, oh, if you make this play, you're definitely going to win. You're just not definitely dead, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. I, I definitely missed that. Like, I was doing, like, the quick math, and I was just, like, counting the token as more damage than it actually was, and, like... You're probably counting Angel Sanctions it's, like, still, it's still bump it, basically. Yeah, like, and then I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I can play this and kill the token, and then he, like, has me exactly dead, and, like, I'm still tilted from the invoke misplay, and it's just, like... And I'm like, whatever, I don't just don't want to play anymore, you know? Put <laughs> <laughs> me on camera, I never wanted to be here! <laughs> yeah! It was just so hot, you know? Those lights are just hot. I was sweating. Like, the, the BDM comes over and he like, wants to do an interview. I'm like, i got to stay under these lights some more. Like, God. I was super surprised <laughs> that they pulled you over right after losing to Owen. I'm like, he, Owen was basically, he's more or less in at that point. I think he could. He no, could Owen still him. had a win in. Like, so, I, was, I was X1 and there were like four X2s, but I was just like okay. literally a match ahead of everyone else at the okay, time. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it was just I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was a little, 
a little bad taste, a little BM. <laughs> just like bring yeah, you over. Yeah, I kind of felt that too, but I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's like, how often are you going to be in that scenario? Like, like, all right, fine. You want to talk to me? All right, let's do it. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, at least you didn't have to wear the stupid headsets. They don't. They didn't do that, right? Oh yeah, that's true. And, and and like I actually those headsets. This is so. This is something that actually. I the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh man, I could just never wear those headsets because they. I have like these ear issues and like the headsets that I wear are always like, like very light and like off, off the side type headsets, but the ones that actually cover my ears, like those have caused me pain. And so I'm just like, what, what do I do? Do I just like refuse a feature match? Like, how do I get around this? Yeah, probably. So then now you guys know if you're in a fight with Morgan, just slap him in the, in the side of the head. <laughs> yeah. That's good. when you're, when you're in, when you're in a fight with Morgan, just hit up, hit him in the side of the head. Have you seen his calves? They're huge. What? He's, Six feet taller than me. I can't reach his ears. <laughs> That's <Wow>. fair. <laughs> I was rooting for you, Morgan. Though I was, it was, it was, un, it was unfortunate that Ellen got the best of you, though. I mean, that's all right. I still had two more shots, which I then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you gifted to other people. <laughs> you only got three shots. Do not miss your chance. To, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Uh, Morgan, what was your limited? Uh testing like did you just grind a lot online how was I mean, that I, so limited for me i i never actually play that many drafts like i don't know i just kind of get bored <laughs> so like once i've done 10 maybe 15 drafts like that's probably the most i've done of any format it's just like 10 or 15 drafts i, I know rob's sitting in here and i know he does like hundreds which i i just i don't understand how anybody does that but but I'm, i mean i've been drafting competitively for 15 years or something like that and whenever there's a format like like um dominaria where you're kind of just using the the fundamentals of limited to play you know you get an idea what's the removal like what does my curve need to look like you know am i going really long is this like a really quick format you know once i kind of have figured those things out um you know i kind of stop drafting like what what I actually do and what I would recommend to anyone do is, you know, watch a bunch of other people draft. And that, and that's really what my prep is, is, you know, I'll do a couple drafts, make sure I understand the cards, and then I'll start watching other people. Like, I'll watch, I'll find Twitch streams, I'll find what kind of just completely random people are doing. You know, I'll watch, like, um, a lot of the CFB videos that I know that, you know, I watched Reed Dukes, I watched LSVs. Um, Marshall posted one. Uh, that one, I don't know if it was much of a help. There was some Whoa. issues in that video. That one was, there, there's bad. Like, there's a bunch of hate in the, in the comment section for one of them. I mean, anyone Oof. can, you can go and see it. But, uh, um, fire, you know, it, I think that just watching what other people are doing, what they think about the format, um, helps because what it ends up doing is that when you're, you're drafting, you really need to understand when you see a card, does that mean that the color's open, right? And I think that if you just do all the drafts yourself and you're not actually looking at what other people are doing, you know, you just never really know what, what seeing these card light means. Like, is, like if you keep thinking, you know, Jamie um, Archdeacon was trying to tell me that Flames of Keld was a good card before, <laughs> before the, um, the draft at the Pro Tour. And I'm like, there's just no way. He's like, yeah, they keep passing me late. Like, Red's just so underdrafted. Like, uh, I don't know if I agree with you there. That was, um, uh, that was based on some... <laughs> some drafts that went very interestingly at side events at GP Toronto by 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 Dave Rude and our, our own boy Vince D'Agostino. So they were both uh, blessed with some really good mono red pack ones. And then they, I think they, bo- they both at the side, this happened simultaneously. Okay? They're in separate drafts, but drafting at the same time. 
and they both end up with mono red decks that are playing like two flame of Keld or something, and then a bunch of like get two lava runners and otherwise like the the deck is like pretty reasonable. It's like got a good curve chroniclers, good cards like that, some some reasonable removal, and they both come. They both come, and they're like, I think I broke the format. You know, this mono red deck is great. And Vince is trying to tell me this, and I'm like, you're just completely insane. And then after he found out David David did the same thing, I was like, okay, maybe maybe I'm a little more interested. I'm like, I don't really have the opportunity to ever draft this deck. But Vince said he's been having good success with it online. He says he's drafted it five times somehow. I'm just like, don't open good red cards in drafts. So I'm always playing blue, white or green. Black. I mean, I, I think I saw like four or five flame of Kelds wheels in the two drafts I did. So maybe you <laughs> I don't think anybody at the PT were on, were on that level. So you did well in draft though, right? Like what was your record? Five, one. Yeah. I, I went five, one. Yeah. So your strategy was fine. Obviously <laughs> drafts a good deck. <laughs> don't go too deep. Well, one card that I really think is, is underrated is Pegasus Corsair. I ended up with three in my that my card second is not underrated. And, and I think I, well, I, I've been first picking it. Like I've been first and second picking it. Gabe, Gabe told me it's That's, it's his favorite card in the set. Yeah, I mean I I'm on board with that because and yeah. every time you just like curve anything into Corsair or like even a follow up, like a lot of the decks are just like slow and they clog up the ground and then they have trouble against flyers. Well, you know what's better than flyers? Just two flyers. Yeah, we we talked about Gabe. Gabe said his favorite. Gabe sang, uh, said his favorite color is white. And he loves Pegasus Corsair. He thinks that that card is the the bread and butter of white, like at common in this format. Uh, and I don't think it's underrated. Hear, hearing him talk about it so much, like if people aren't taking that, then they obviously just don't understand the format. I, I think. mean, one of the courses I got was like six pick or something. Yeah, that um, seems. Insane. I think I had like a fourth pick, a sixth pick, and then I think it was second pick. So I was getting them pretty late. <laughs> Lucky you. I had to laugh at uh, Andy's comment in chat here. Like, the Morgan prepared, like, drafting <laughs> with himself. Like, he just lines up eight packs. Uh, I have a funny story. Uh, an unnamed person that I know, one time oh there's God. a local draft happening, and we're all playing cube draft, and he is qualified for the Pro Tour. And we walk over to his little nook in the store, and he's drafting all eight decks. And I ask him, I'm like, what's what's going on here? And he's like, I've drafted eight decks. I was like, well, you're just going to have eight perfect decks. And he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, these four decks in a row are blue. <laughs> <laughs> he's cutting himself. <laughs> and I'll never forget. <laughs> Please name this person. Please name this person right now. I, this person's I, obviously I, been committed, Derek. He can't. At the Kingston Pan. <laughs> Someone else can name them because if, if if they're in the chat, they know who he is. <laughs> wow. That, I don't know, is that dedication? Is that... <laughs> That's insanity. <laughs> insanity, lots of art. And loneliness. Uh, did we all watch the, the final match? Or at least yes. like the, the top eight? Yeah. What'd you think? What'd you, what'd you think of the awesome ending, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunate that like um, I'm gonna get the guy's name. Was it Pinto? Pinto. Yeah, the, the, he like kind of looked up to the judges and was like, you know, are you guys gonna gift me a free win here? Even though you like saw the guy count one, two, three on Karizev, and they're just like, uh, no. <laughs> 
So, I, I mean, you know, if, if there was a reasonable expectation from him that the judge may rule in his favor, like I don't, which means that it, it's actually possible that the trigger was missed, right? Then I don't fault him for, for calling the judge to check, right? But there was like a 0% chance that the judge was going to rule in his favor. So like, the only thing that this does is make him look, it's, it's just, you just hope that the judge had like some memory lapse and was like, you know what? Yeah. Screw the guy who like wasn't fast enough with his left hand. And he's just like going to, going to get you or something. So I thought it was a little bit, I thought it was a little bit scummy. I mean, that, I, I'm glad that the judges were there and that it wasn't like a huge deal. Like it was in, uh, what was it? Two PTs, two PTs ago or whatever, where the guy, uh, didn't crew his heart properly or something. Yeah, or it was yeah, a well fast engineer trigger or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. There's a there's a language barrier. <laughs> so I, I'm glad understand. That, yeah, I'm glad that it didn't end up like that, where like the player that just kind of like sequences stuff wrong and didn't explain himself properly, like got totally screwed. Um so that's nice justice. And like Pinto also should just like won the previous turn and set himself up for a better victory or higher chance of victory the turn before that as well. So I, mean, I don't really don't feel bad for him at all. I think he's like just kind of angle shooting for an out there at the very end, which made it, which is why people are kind of pissed. I mean, people are like, oh, you should call a judge, right? Yeah, I, I agree. But it was clear that he probably realized he missed lethal and then was looking for an out. So yeah, that's, that's going to be tough to live down for a bit. Hopefully he kind of like cleans up his play and <laughs> doesn't, doesn't do anything stupid like that. It's unfortunate. Uh, who was that other guy? The the guy who's like a walking by. That's the guy who should have made the mistake. Cause that guy's hilarious when he makes mistakes. <laughs> he's like totally owns it. Would have been like, yeah, whatever, man, I'm an idiot, you got me. <laughs> Next. <laughs> That's the uh, the hazard mistake, right? Yeah, exactly. Where he's just like, I no, oh no. <laughs> like that was unfortunate. It was good for PV, but. Well, I, for all this angle street stuff, I always need Andy's take. So Andy, lay it on me. Well, so he, like, if he, I think it's enough acknowledgement when he counts three when counting carries Ev. So it's pr- pretty cut and dry. Probably uh, shouldn't just like look at the judge, be like, "Can I have twenty thousand dollars, please?" <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's hard to fault someone too much in the heat of the moment. Like, it's not like he like gunned for it afterwards after the judge said something. But obviously, it's like a bad thing. He shouldn't have done it. But I, I don't think Ill, more ill of a guy in a really heated moment who like tried to sad dog eyes a twenty thousand dollars. No, I mean I, I I agree that I I don't think I I feel any like remorse for for him or whatever. I don't feel ill will towards him. But it's one of those things where like if it happens again or it's another questionable type thing, it really like starts to put a stain on on his record, right? So. I think it's just like, it's just one of those things to watch. It's like, okay, you know, that's how you want to be. <laughs> like, we can we can all play that game, I guess. So I, I think people will, will watch him closely. I think judges will also probably pay more attention when he's when he seems like he's angle shooting, if that's something that he does. Yeah, I mean, I like, uh, to, to me, I, I'm not, I don't follow the, how sketchy someone's, rip, like, pro player reputation is i know marcio isn't like super highly regarded in that realm and he's like friends with marcio and now it's like 
it gets people on Twitter even more riled up. So, um, did you see? I, well, I think it was. I, I don't know what name. It was some Channel Fireball uh, person posted on uh, on Twitter. But like, good luck to Owen and the 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 other six of you. <laughs> Everyone just like started posting fire after that. It's like clearly he is just throwing shade at Marcio. <laughs> <clears throat> Daggers. I wish oh, he would embrace. I wish he would embrace the bad boy image. Just start wearing a leather jacket. Start smoking <laughs> in the tournament hall. <laughs> he he kind of did that in the beginning when like Ben Stark was giving us some a hard time on Twitter. He it was he's pretty combative. I, uh, I remember. I remember that. And Twitter's free. How is it free? That's right. <laughs> Lots of entertainment. <laughs> Can you believe that it's free? Oh my gosh. I think Marcio's kind of proved himself, though. Like everyone seems to say that he's he's cleaned up his act and and, and plays clean now, and it's he's clearly great, right? Like he's had an insane uh, year or two years. So I mean, I don't think I, probably people should stop questioning that he's always cheating at this point, right? I think that was a long time ago. He's he's yeah. obviously very good. Yeah, he's obviously like incredible. It's just the problem was that his particular cheat was just so vicious right the the <laughs> card like hidden away the perfect card that it's like obviously premeditated and that's why he's like not getting the the past that like you could say the saitos of the world are getting on the stalling because it's it, it was insane it was vicious that's like that's about <laughs> as savage yeah, no, as, I mean, as you can get uh, i agree like there's no excuse for that but he seems to not be interested in that type of behavior anymore. I would imagine he'd get caught. Like I'm sure everyone watches the man now. But Morgan, any any stories from from the PT that that we don't know about that that the stream didn't catch from from your end? Was there any other funny matches or happenings? <laughs> Actually, yeah. So in my in the last round of day one, I was playing against. Um, blue black mid-range or like it was kind of like blue black mid-range i think he also had to ferry but anyway he, he was like I, I hadn't seen any counter spells i hadn't seen anything like that i get into a board position where he's at i think he's at like four life or something um i have like 10 lands in play um and so he's just completely taken over the game he has like a scarab god he's got like a whole bunch of stuff in play and he's like attacking me down to like i don't know three life or something so i'm like very very dead on board and so um, I've used one walking blessing, so I have two left in deck. I'm sure you probably know where this is going, but uh, so I, I, I stop and I'm like, I've got nothing in hand, I've got nothing on board. He's got like he's got one card in hand. I'm like, you don't have any counter spells, right? He's like, no, no, I, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. And so I'm like, so I got two walking blisses in my deck. So so we're just we're just gonna slam it. We're just gonna slam it. I slam that walking bliss off the top. That was uh that was that was sick. So that gave me the put me to seven and one at the end of the day. And that, that was that was just like an unbelievable way to cap that day. <laughs> wow being able to hit your two outers and and shot call them is definitely a way to stay in the winner's bracket <laughs> yeah i mean as i said i was getting kind of lucky i mean you got to get lucky to, to to do well at magic but that was that was that was great and, and to, for, to be fair this was something that i had been playing towards for about six or seven turns like we were really late into that game um and i'd been sure to put him at a at a life total where a top deck ballistic would kill him um and i i think i'd given myself like four or five terms to draw it and you know when you're, you're playing to your outs and then you actually hit it that that just it, it felt it felt fantastic that does draw the vitriol from the moto opponent though 
<laughs> where they're like they do not see the the pieces of the puzzle coming together that way. They just think you're a luck sack and let you have it with some verbal abuse. Those are some of my fondest memories of motos when I get to do that to someone and they just completely tilt off. Yeah, for for my opponent's um, favorite, he was he was a really good sport about it. Um, and he actually started talking about how he had how he misplayed on a on an earlier play where he he'd played a to ferry, then he ended up um, cycling a land at the end of the turn. Um, and I I Vraskis, I said he had no counters, but he had negates. But I, I ended up Vraskis contempting it, and then he like very clearly had a negate because he like started like kind of shaking a little bit. He's like, oh crap! And so that that allowed that game to go on like a lot longer, and and had ended up you know giving me that the turn I needed to kill him. Temptation to be mana efficient, too strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when we were talking about Marcio earlier, I, I now remember I was chatting with Derek when Marcio was playing against Kevin, Kevin Jones, and and the game was going super long. And in chat, people were like, "Is this is is Kevin stalling? Is Marcio stalling?" Um, and after Kevin went went to draw with blue, well, I, I thought I saw blue black. On camera, going to time multiple times. I'm like, yo, Derek, uh, blue black is is a really slow deck. I, I probably should never play it in in a PT or something like that. And uh, Derek was fast to correct me that blue black is not a slow deck. Um, Andy, what, what do you think? Well, so Kevin Jones's blue black deck is certainly very slow. It has no two drops. <laughs> it has like. Very few ways to kill your opponent outside of the Scarab God and Champion Witch, which it doesn't really start killing anyone until turn seven. So I imagine you watch Kevin Jones for a while play this deck and you think it's slower than winless or like no win com blue white. But uh, normally it's not remotely that slow. A lot of the time it's like a tempo game where you just like get to the play the Scarab God and all of a sudden that's what the entire game's about and you try to win with it. And a lot of the time, that works. But when it doesn't work, you have other usually have other two drops to pressure the opponent, but not Kevin Jones. Kevin Jones got none. <laughs> um, has that ever gone into... I mean, Rob, Rob, it doesn't go into your deck selection process because I think you're a reasonably quick player, right? So I guess it never... Has it ever concerned you where a deck is too slow for you to pilot at a tournament even though you like it? Uh, not in a paper magic tournament, but I refused to play KCI online, even though it was my deck of choice for a few months, because I, like, when I'm playing Moto, I'm usually not fully engaged in Moto. I'm, like, Motoing and, like, watching the kids or watching TV or, like, Motoing and watching some YouTube or hanging out on social media. And, like, if you're playing KCI online, you just, like, you can only be clicking. If you're not clicking, you're losing. Uh, but yeah, I, in, in general, no, I have not. That deck speed does not factor in for me in Paper Magic. I, I tend to play quite uh, briskly, um, as Morgan can hopefully attest to from our team limited experience. It's like <laughs> yeah, you play the slowest deck and we're done first every game. <laughs> yeah, Morgan was on the red white aggro deck, and I'm on this like dirtily salt high or four color whatever <laughs> deck. And like every round, I was, I was finished first. Like my win cons were like Slit and Voda and Sylvan Awakening. <laughs> you ever notice on Magic Online that the blue white control decks just have a Gideon in them all the time? It's just like a quality of life to put one Gideon of Trials in your deck. But like in paper, I don't think I would play it. But on Moto, I'm like, mm, maybe. It's not <laughs> that bad. On Moto, I, I, I do have a, I have a Gideon. <laughs> 
Are you playing it in paper? If I would not play it in paper, no. <laughs> I, I've like I've won with zero seconds on the clock, like three three matches on Moto. It's uh, blue white is it's sometimes it's tough to close the game out. There's a there's a lot of triggers. <laughs> I, I I really particularly like the games where like you have to memory after you Teferi, and you're like, well, I'm just gonna have to do this for forty turns. <laughs> 40 turns of you meticulously clicking and your opponent's going, six, six, six. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I did that to somebody. I took that win, got my, you know, extra treasure chest. <laughs> what? Wow. You, your name goes on a list. You I would do that, too. I would do that. that. The chest clock's the chest clock. Come on. Three wins. Gonna- to be yeah. fair, to be fair, he was playing blue white winless blue white control. I had like 13 minutes on my clock, and he was down to like four. So I'm just yeah. like, well, you're gonna get punished now. Uh, I don't, I don't mind the spite waited out. I like to talk to them in chat though, and then pass priority. Oh, my favorite is to send trade. I mean, I, wow. no. <laughs> that's just against the rules. <laughs> I actually, I actually conceded with like 50 seconds left and wished him luck in game three. That's kind of oh, funny. Nice. That's kind of funny. Wow. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just gotta troll, you know. I like that method. That seems great. <laughs> did you play? No, did you play no permanence for game three and just be like, "Your turn, buddy." <laughs> no. <laughs> move to discard. Move to discard. <laughs> yeah. So so often I'll be under like the blue white control loop, and I'll be like, "Oh man, I'm up like six minutes on this clock. I'm gonna get them." And then like two minutes pass by, and I'm like, "Get me the hell out of here! Get me out of here!" <laughs> I don't have the will. I don't have the will of the warrior. <laughs> well, that, that was the thing when I when he only made me have to wait four minutes. Like, <laughs> it's like all right, we can do this. Derek. Uh, so <laughs> in our in our chat, we're just like, I'm, I'm just telling you, wow, I would never play blue black. It's super slow, but you kept telling me that I was wrong, and I was looking at a tiny sample size, and and then people were starting uh, were tweeting about like all the draws that Kevin Jones has had in his like career, basically. So uh, if you play like slowish, and uh, you're, you're at the mercy of the chat, I guess they're gonna look you up and, and find everything about you and how slow you played for the past year. Um, but it's good to uh, like Rob for for you. It's it's cool to know that it's not a problem for you. I think usually uh, for me, it's a a sign a, of a strong player. I talked to like it's something that me and John Stern had, had talked about in um, a conversation we had like a month ago, where people who play slow and, and are able to play tight. That means they're actually able to also focus energy on like the other stuff that that other players might not be able to see. So. If you're not just blindly playing fast, I'm I'm jealous of your skills, Rob. No, no, yeah, I'm not just, <laughs> just slamming my cards down with no purpose. I think uh, like a lot of people just second guess their decisions, or they think about something when there's no decision to be made. Like I know that I, I see a lot of people do this where it's turn one, they have like you know forest Lanoralf, they have you know only untapped lands in their deck or forest, and they'll like draw. And they'll they'll sit there and they'll actually like think about their play. And it's like, okay, when you opened your seven, you're like, cool, keep forest land world. I'm good, right? It's like just draw your card, play the forest, play the land world, and then say go. Or they'll like do their play. They're tapped out. They have they have nothing to attack with. Everything has something sickness. And they just like stare at their opponent, 
stare at their hand, think for a second, and they're like, okay, go. It's like, what What were you thinking before you tapped all your mana? Were you like, <laughs> like you should have known at that point that you have nothing <laughs> left to do. Just say go. Oh, man, it just it drives me nuts. So that. can I just give a counterpoint to that for a sec? Sure. So there's there's like a <laughs> there's actually an article about this that like PV wrote and and I really agree with it and I I try to you know go with that school of thought where I try to think at times where it's not obvious what I'm thinking about. So for example, at the end of my opponent's turn, I I always pause for for like five or ten seconds, maybe not that long, but you know I I pause and and try to think about what I'm going to do in my next turn before I've even drawn a card. Um, and, and it's a strategy that I use um, especially in limited sometimes where I'm thinking about, like, if I'm going to try to bluff an attack or something. And so if I wait, then I know that I can just untap draw and just shove. And sometimes I'll do that when I, when I really want my opponent to think that I, that I have a trick or it's like a very clear attack. Um, and at the same time, it's like, you have no idea what I'm thinking about. If I'm sitting there tapped out, or if I'm sitting there on turn one, you just literally have no clue what I'm thinking about. And I, and I think that timing when you think is, is, is an important skill. Yeah, I, I agree when it means something. but like. If you sit there and think, and then you just play Forest Land or Elf, and then and think and then say go, I'm just gonna look at you like you're an idiot. You didn't do anything. I mean, I get maybe. Yeah, I mean, turn, turn one is like obviously there's not that much you could be thinking about, but there's well, like, definitely like other turns mana. you can. You're playing limited. You just tap four mana. You play a bail off, and you have no other permanents in play. And then you sit there for a second, you're like uh, look at your hand, shuffle it a bit, and then you say go. It's just like okay, we're. Just we're just wasting time here. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Pass the turn. You have you have nothing to do. They should play F eight in real life. That's what I want. I want people to click F eight in real life. That, that's all I want. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll wrap things up with Morgan. Morgan, what, what events you're going to Pittsburgh? What other events are on the horizon for you? Um, well, I'm going to play nationals. Um, Pittsburgh's like a ninety percent chance, but I'm definitely going to play nationals as well. Um, and after I think that, you came close last year, right? Yeah, I finished third at nationals. Um, so I was the the runner up, and and both both Kale and Lucas, I think, were were debating not going. Both of them were saying how much they hated Magic, and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, come on, let me go, like fuck off, because they actually made me um had us play like a runner up match, um, where the third and fourth place had to play so that you kind of knew who the, the alternate was. And so I won that match, and I was the alternate, and I knew that Lucas was like 50-50 to actually go, um, but, but both of them ended oh, up going. And, and, uh, and I had a couple people actually tell me, um, or they, they, they thought that they knew that the person wasn't going. They're like, yeah, yeah, you're going to get to go. I'm like, they haven't oh, told God. me that. Like, I had to come up, I think, two different people told me that. Um, and so that was that was a little tilting. I mean, this this past month has made it a little bit better, but but back at that point, it's just like, come on, like I would I would have loved to go to France, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I get to get to play a couple pro tours in a row now, so that that's cool too. Well, actually, three pro tours in a row. So anyway, um, yeah, it's probably Pittsburgh and then Nationals. I probably won't play for a couple of weeks, and then um, Minnesota is uh, beginning of August. I can't imagine what it's feels like like you're playing what i think is potentially a completely useless match to win third and but then there's like actual hope like 50 50 is a lot i'd be like ah, i'm not going but 50 50 kale kills in the chat maybe if he's still in the chat maybe you could chime in with the what are the true odds of him not going 
but uh, wow, fifty fifty. <laughs> I just I just well, remember. Was, also I, I think I, I don't actually know what what Kale was. I just know that he had talked about uh, <laughs> not being that interested. I, I don't know exactly what the conversation was, but this is kind of this was I heard secondhand. Um, <laughs> I know Luke. Like I think Lucas was also trying to troll me <laughs> um, and talking about. He's like, yeah. He's like, I might go, but then I might like book my flight and then just decide not to take it like day of. And I'm like. <laughs> Luke, Lucas is a true troll. Like he's the yeah. troll of the Canadian magic community. I could take it. I could take it. Finishing third. Um, also, I'm going to look forward to seeing you at Nats. And uh, I know you're not that active uh, on Twitter, but uh, you know, if people if people want to reach out to you, what's the best place? Uh, so my username's um, at Fozify. F O Z E F Y. Kind of the username I use more or less everywhere. But uh, do, you, yeah. do you browse through the tweets though? Do you still use the app? Yeah, I, I I do time to time, and I mean obviously when I get mentioned or whatever, like it pops up. Um, so yeah, I do use it. I like I'll retweet things and like things, and I I don't know. I just I don't don't really think anyone wants to know what I have to say, <laughs> so I don't really use it that much. I know people know don't want to know what I have to say, and I tweet anyways. So I'm sure you have some constructive things to say. It's true. Derek actually contributes to about 80% of my mute list. You have me muted? I don't have you muted. No, but I have almost everyone you retweet muted. Oh, yeah, I guess that's a good. So, so Kale is uh, saying in chat that he had a wedding he had to go to, but he skipped it for magic cards, obviously. So, I mean, reasonable 50-50 at the time, I guess. Uh, Morgan, thank thank you so much for joining us, and I uh, hope to have you on next time when you crush it again. Yeah, maybe maybe at Nats. Yeah, thanks for and having me. You can fifty fifty someone else. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. See you next time. <laughs> you were great, Morgan. Uh, that was Morgan McLaughlin. Finished ninth at PT Dominaria. Top Canadian finisher was actually in the running to make top eight. And up losing three winning innings, unfortunately. Uh, but he doesn't have to play the RPTQ grind like these gentlemen have to. I just want to, we didn't talk about it before, but as someone that's part of the whole planning process, um, I think it's been a uh, PR nightmare, this RPTQ. And I, I'd be, it'd be hard for me not to at least mention it on the show to talk about it, how a lot of places have had to rent venues because their store usually all the RPTQs are at the store because they attract, at least for, for us in Montreal, they attract 30 at most 40-ish players because they, they, a lot of them tend to go to Toronto. Uh, but with this RPTQ, it was hard for, for me to gauge uh, how many people were going to be needed uh, because you had, you had people that qualified, you had the same, maybe same amount of slots, but then they were put, bringing two other people in that were not qualified. So... Was that going to mean like 40-ish times three, you know, 120? Um, but then we realized that like the, the store space was not a great area. We didn't have the proper tables or the chairs for, for optimal 3v3 uh, play. So we ended up uh, renting out our venue, and I've seen other places do that. But because of that, there's also a lot of places, there's a cap, there's a player cap. And I've seen a lot of tweets where you know, they had made plans to go, but then they realized that the event capped, and, and the one in Montreal capped at 50 teams. Um, the Toronto one is at 64 teams. And I have to imagine there 
there must be a lot of players that are, that are likely going to get screwed uh, because of this. But, I mean, if there's the same amount of invites, why are there so many more players? I'm, I guess I'm a little confused about that. Uh, Ross laughing, but it does suck. And I've seen many complaints for people who are like, some have even maybe booked flights and now they found out that they can't even enter. And that sucks because then there might be conflict, travel conflicts among teammates. And now you have to last minute find a new team. Just sucks overall for everyone. And uh, I hate that I'm part of some organization and really it's out of my hands at this point to do anything about it. So, Rob, you wanted to chime in? Yeah. I think uh, Wizards didn't really think about what was going to happen at the ground level here, right? Like, that's pretty clear. They're like, oh, team events are great. People like team events. We're going to do team event everything, always, everywhere. Uh, and it's kind of like eating ice cream for breakfast, it seems. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sick of team events. I, it, It's fine, like, once or twice a year, but... Like the last three events I I'm gonna go to are all like team events or whatever. And then they have all these team PTQs and then they had all this weird BS with like gold and platinum pros trying to like cue their friends in the PTQ system. I don't know, it seemed like it was a big mess that wasn't really well thought out. Um the the they re- they just put they put together the the fun of Team events is is above everything else, I guess. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, especially at the RPTQ level. It's a disaster for like some of these some of these places. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you, you're dealing with it firsthand, right? But there might be like some places that have very low caps, right? Like, if your RPTQ normally gets like twenty some odd people, like, what are you gonna do? Like, what does your play space look like, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, yeah, it's pretty dirty. And anyone that gets turned away, like, there's no online option, right? Like, they can't run this on Moto. I know. Like, Derek would know if anyone knows, right, Derek? Can you? I don't think they can do that. So it's not like, yeah, you, you, oh, yeah. damn, I missed the IRL PTQ. I'll just, I'll just run the one on Moto. You can run it. You can, you can definitely do it on Moto, Rob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, should wait, I should wait then, right? You should definitely just wait. Yeah, just just call up the Moto head office and say that I would like to register all three of my players. And now hey, don't listen to this. This is a terrible troll. Um, I feel I, like they could do it. They have the technology to do it. They just I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Three three v three. Um, you're right. Like no, it's, wonder... it's like it's three separate tournaments. They run them in three flights, A, B, and C. They just need a way to link the records post-round. So, right. like, all the A players play A players, right? You just need to make sure that the pairings are, like, by team afterwards. Yeah, it's not, it's not a complete disaster, but I agree that it's probably above their capabilities. Not doing it. I, I do wonder, at your point, if, like, these stores that can only hold 20 people are actually going to do the same event in the same place. It's like, hey, eight teams only, first eight teams join. I, I'm, I'm, I, I mean, it, it sounds funny, but maybe some stores have had to do that. Um, it sucks because uh, of, of the slow changes that, that players may not be aware of. Like the face-to-face games are PTQs. Like we kept them free, and at some point, we uh, it it's been more than one RPTQ where you could charge for them. Uh, we decided not to, but I'm not sure if 
people who frequent uh, our RPT gives know that, that uh, other stars, stores have started charging them. It, it's their right because, um, you know, they're, they're using their space, whatever. And uh, we felt the need to do so because now we had to pay some of our own money to rent a separate venue to be able to support the team event. And I think it's extreme. Like some early players who were used to the free RPTQs from us might have been shocked. But, but to me, it, it makes complete sense. Like we had to get the venue. We had to get the, the adequate judges uh, for that venue. Um, but, um, but now like they had to get used to the costs and, and they had to know that there may or may not be a cap, which is impossible to know on the Wizards website. Um, they just give you links to the stores that are hosting the RPTQ. So you're going to get players that are used to just showing up at the venue being turned away. And I, I think that's the ultimate feel bad. Like you show up with your two buddies and you're ready to play because you think it works like how it used to be. And you might be turned away at the door. And I, I really wish I could do something. So like, I, I actually, I'm, I'm a little heartbroken. Um, I lost for words as to what I could do to salvage the situation. Any thoughts uh, from you guys? Andy? I, I've heard the the situation in Europe is in, is particularly a complete disaster. I I had heard that like very far out, like like a whole month out, like most RPTQs in Europe were already sold out, and that there's people who are just like, yeah, there's not an RPTQ for me to go to in Europe, and like th think think in Canada, we already have ours mostly sold out, if not already sold out, and there's just there's no moto option and like for people who aren't tapped into social media which like some people for whatever reason choose to live their life that way off twitter offline but i i am so glad it's not me telling them oh sorry you can't play at the door my lord that is gonna be something else yeah i mean i i've already seen some some emails potentially trickle in asking me like what I can do, uh, what they can do. It's like, well, hope you can sign up. Like there is still an option, but it's not a good one. If you live in Montreal, I'd be like, you'll have to play the one in Toronto in a few weeks. So is it, isn't the Toronto one almost sold out already as well? If not already sold out. Um, it was I, at 33 teams this morning from what yeah, I heard. I called that about, um, about 2 PM to see if I could register. And it was about 33, 34 teams, and they're capping at 64. And uh, I tried to register, and for some reason, my bank card didn't work on the PayPal site. And I'm like, somebody please register in chat. Like, just register. I don't care. Whatever. Just do it. Please. Come on. Because it, it was announced that the Montreal one went full this morning or last night or whatever. And, uh, yeah, like, I, it's, it's rough, right? Yeah, like, can you, like, do you think if they ask Wiz Watsi, like, or tell them, like, listen, like, my nearest RP, like, let's say you're three hours uh, east of Montreal or whatever, and your Montreal one's sold out, I was watching it, like, well, you better, better gear up for that nine hour drive, kid. <laughs> like, you're just forced to do that if they want their promo and want their shot, or will they get, like, an option of something else? I don't know. Because this has been a logistical nightmare, and, not one that I think is that easily foreseeable, at least to the extent of how horrible it went. Like, obviously, you could, you could plan a bit better, but I don't think 
I don't think uh, you saw, I could see this coming because I remember seeing your cap of 50 teams and I thought, oh, that's, that's a lot of teams. That's tons. And like, cause like, it'll be like the same as normal, except some teams will have more than one cute player. And then it, it filled up well, like a week in, in advance. So I don't really know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like some people might say like 50 is too low, but I was thinking like 50 might be, might be too high because like the last standard rptq we had 30 like we had 30 ish i knew you were there right we couldn't get to this i wasn't there get a top four <laughs> in uh in this this the last rptq in toronto was sealed and we had like i think it was 63 players or 64 players and that was like that was a pretty full rptq the other rptqs i played in toronto or toronto area have been uh 59 and 67 or something which is like an average size, like, like that's that's a bigger size for um, like that area, right? Like I know a guy who uh, queued in California, and his was so small that he it cut the top two. Only the top two people made it. Like it was less than what is it, thirty two people? Like it seems to me like Toronto is one of the bigger ones in North America. Um, maybe, maybe that could just be wrong information that I have, but. Like having, I, I believe that would be correct. We we used to have three hundred and four hundred person PTQs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised. So, I yeah. Um, I mean, Kale says something interesting in chat. The Montreal one might not have filled up, except that Toronto RPTQ and GP Pittsburgh are the same day. So it's more likely that people are trying to go to Montreal. I know before Edgar queued, him and his team were trying to go to the Montreal one because they thought it would be softer. And because I think they wanted to play Montre- uh, Pittsburgh, and my team talked about that, but I, I told them I didn't want to grind that hard. Um, so I think that's an aspect of it. But uh, it's yeah, and, yeah, yeah. For, first strike uh, nation member Pedram. Uh, he I saw that he he pre-registered for our uh, tournament. I was like, oh sh- crap! I hope he didn't like pre-register for the wrong one. I could see that happening. We got two locations, but he's like, no, no, it's because like I'm going to GP. Pittsburgh after. I'm like, okay, that, that makes a ton of sense. So uh, different demand shift. But uh, and yeah, I missed what you said, but, but I was commenting on how like the last one, uh, it was a huge letdown because we just had, we were missing one player to have four slots to the PT. Instead, we ended up having two in, in our last RPT. So it was a huge letdown. We had like 30-ish people. So to go from that and, and thinking there might be the same slots and, and thinking 50, and then it's hard, I think it's hard to, to ask, like, stores to predict an even higher amount and, and, like, pay the money to rent a much bigger hall, I guess. I don't think some stores are in a position to do that. Yeah, it's got to be, like, the, some of the moto people who are, like, three to six hours away, like, being forced to crawl out of their, their cave to, to come to these ones because they can't play it online, right? So I think that's what it's... What, what like the unexpected thing that happened that honestly I w- did not think of when you told me fifty teams I thought it was totally reasonable considering you had like thirty two or thirty one or thirty three or whatever at your last RPTQ that's like that's a pretty big increase to that and that's so I was already I'm already very surprised on how fast it filled up so we did save a slot just <laughs> not really good news save a slot for the winner of the LCQ obviously. Um, but um, it's not. It's not that feel good. It's pretty bad. Um, Cody Potter mentioned like, would they uh, allow people to defer their invites? I, I 
I hope so. I hope so. I, I feel like if you can't play, and, and Wizards has always been very flexible and open to this, I, I feel like they might. Well, what do you think, Andy? Um, typically, they don't let you defer anything unless it's like a very important life event that you like describe <laughs> as unmissable. But just to be like, oh, I didn't really pre-register in time, eh? They'll probably just tell you, oh, that's very, very crappy. Good luck in the next PPTQ season. <laughs> but I want a PPTQ. Thanks. Try again. Rob, Rob, you think that's that's your expected response from Wizards? Probably, yeah. Like, if anyone gets in trouble, it's probably the TO for not having a sufficient spot to hold an RPTQ or something like that. Because they know that it's supposed to be 3x larger or some other garbage. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've uh, I've deferred RPTQs, or, or sorry, PT invites uh, that have, like, so I, had, I skipped an RPTQ because I already queued for the PT, and I'm supposed to get my promo uh, from the PT or from the RPTQ or like Emrakul or something, right? And then I had to like skip the PT because of like real life uh, habit or whatever. So I emailed them. And I'm like, hey, can you like still send me the Emrakul or whatever? Because you know you can sell it for like hundred, two hundred dollars. I was like, yeah, it might as well, right? And I was like, ah, no. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> so, like, I, I, I basically I skipped an RBTQ because I came for the PT, then skipped the PT, and then and then I just got totally blown out. No PT invite, no, no, uh, no Emrakul. Hey, Derek. By the way, getting these are pretty easy. You should hop on that train. Okay, I was like, maybe they can beg for either one or three noble hierarchs. Oh, did, um, does the team get noble hierarchs, or does this the cute person get noble hierarchs? The whole team. It's one for each player. Yeah, oh, that's so why I should just take all the noble hierarchs since I'm carrying my team in. Right? Oh, don't you do it! Don't be that guy, you scum, <laughs> you filth. I've, I've heard Play. a lot of those stories. I see, Andy. You, you feel like inviting someone not qualified to the RPTQ is not enough. You should give them more. I feel like a lot yeah. of team captains have said that. They're like, uh, I'm just gonna take it all. Take all if the K- noble hierarchs. If Kale asked for my noble hierarch, see you later. <laughs> You're not cute, Andy. You don't deserve this. I am cute with my good friend, Kale. <laughs> There's three. Why would they give three promos if it wasn't one for each player? It's not like you're giving up some value that it was yours. It's for the other players. You already get your one for qualifying. You don't need these other two that are clearly for the other players. Yeah, but I only have one, and then I would have a playset. Yeah, if you steal it from your friend, sure. <laughs> Okay, uh, okay, I, don't, I don't have a, I don't have a team, and I'll be in town, so I can be the backup. So if if Andy says see ya, <laughs> you're, not, you're not allowed to play that one, are you? I think I think I am. I, I think only Sal and Matt can't play. I feel like I don't know, dude. I'll, I'll call the cops. Are <laughs> <laughs> do you have limitations on what events you're allowed to play because you work at Face? Um, maybe. I don't maybe. think if you're a TO, I don't think you can. Uh... Play in your own event, oh. for like the for a pro tour invite. I feel like uh, like Matt uh, Matt has been told that he can't play like the F to F series. Like he's been told like one of the ones that was funny was because he like he showed up and they're like oh, you actually can't play this. Um, but I don't think it applies to me. So or or does it? 
Well, there's no risk of you winning anyway, so. (laughs) There hasn't been any issues because I've been very, uh, let's just say, um, okay with not not having to play. Like like the the past GP Toronto's that I've uh, helped out at Nationals that uh, even though it's the one tournament I really want to queue for or or win, I've been cool stepping aside. Um, As we wrap out, shout-outs to our First Strike Nation. Um, and also all our first track producers, some of them are in the chat. Jonathan Good, Kyle Smirchik, Jay Thomas, Ian Sasha Papo, Derek Kite, and Matthew Kelly. Thank you so much for your uh, support. It's all first track nation. Uh, also finally got a cap, first track, the official first track cap that you can get at madaprive.com slash apparel. Uh, but if you're Canadian, I noticed like last time I put the items, it was like impossible. It, it, it was a nightmare. Just like uh, this RPTQ thing, um, realized because the place was uh, based in the U.S., a lot of the shipping costs was kind of nuts. Was really crazy, so that to the point where like it didn't make sense to to pay like twenty bucks for a shirt if the shipping was twenty bucks. I felt like that really didn't sit right with me. So uh, if you want the cap or the black shirt that's uh, back on sale. You can message me uh, and we can work something out because I'm going to just bulk order, have them all ship to me, work out a deal with them on the shipping, and then ship these out from from my house. Um, But I'm only offering this service, obviously, to people who are part of First Strike Nation because that limits the amount of people that that I'm going to have to do the shipping for so that I could get them out. But instead of like 20 bucks or more, going to do like a flat five dollar rate so definitely if you want to be the first ones to get a first strike snap back um it's as good as the face-to-face games one which i've fallen in love with which uh even alex bianchi uh was wearing it on stream not sponsored officially sponsored by us it's just really uh good like a good hat is a good hat so looking forward to, to seeing that in the hands of andy for sure, as he loves to wear them caps, um, and also Rob right now. So definitely uh, check out, again, madamdeprived.com slash apparel, and uh, any proceeds will go back to the show. And uh, if you want to join First Strike Nation, of course, patreon.com slash First Strike. But if you don't want to pay anything, you can always share the episode. You can always subscribe to the show, talk about it, give us a YouTube thumbs up. All this uh, make me extremely happy. Uh, and you can chat with me anytime, regardless of if you're a patron or not. A lot of you hardcore fans, I talk to you on a very frequent basis and really appreciate the time. Uh, no matter how you decide to support us, any bit of a support, even a simple retweet of an episode or a clip that I decide to put together of, like, let's say, Andy Towton, the Turbo Vizier deck, is super appreciated. And I know who you guys are. I appreciate every one of you. So. For Andy, uh, Derek, Rob, and I, uh, we will see you next week. Um, And hopefully we have a good, feel-good RPTQ story as Andy's going to be playing the one this weekend. Hope Derek, well, Derek got in, and hope Derek and Rob. Rob, did you pre-register for the Toronto one? Yeah, I'm already registered, yeah. Okay, hope so. (laughs) Hope so. Uh, And uh, for that, good show, and see you guys next time. Bye, guys. We'll